It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live. Nobody can ever tell you that you couldn't do it because you did. On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants mobile app. We'll punch you in the nose for 60 minutes with a relentless competitive attitude. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. Welcome to Monday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live here on Giants.com as well as the mobile app. He is Paul Dottino. I'm Lance Meadow with you for the next 60 minutes. Multiple ways you can interact with us here on the program. You give us a ring, 201-939-4513. You can hashtag Giants chat at us on Twitter as we will be monitoring everything throughout the course of the program. And a reminder, you can find the archive of this show and our entire podcast network on the Giants mobile app, podcast platforms everywhere, and at Giants.com slash podcast. So week one in the books for the Giants as they fell to the Denver Broncos at MetLife Stadium on Sunday, 27-13. to We'll go through that game in great detail, and then we will open up the phone line. Certainly a lot to delve into, and... Paul, a disappointing start to the season for the Giants. To me, I want to start with what I think was the biggest difference. And you look at time of possession, and you know I've said this multiple times, time of possession is great, but it's all about what you do with it. Well, the Broncos had the ball over the Giants for nearly 11 more minutes, and Denver capitalized on that plus 11 minutes. Because if you look at the fact that they were very efficient on third down and fourth down, and then the number of possessions they had in which they walked away with scores, that was critical. The fact that they scored three touchdowns, they tacked on field goals, and really the one thing that you would figure would come back to bite them was the fumble deep in Giants territory, but the Giants got the ball back and went three and out. So it's not just the time of possession, it's about what each team did with it, and the Giants did not execute anywhere near the level that the Broncos did. Well, Lance, I agree with your point and your premise. I just think it's a lot more simple than that. The Giants played a horrible game of football, and the Broncos played extremely well. I, I, I just think in a broad sense, we don't even have to break it down to the specifics that you'd want to break it down to. This was a this was a very difficult performance for the Giants to put on the field yesterday. Extremely upsetting because they had done so much during the course of training camp to practice well the receivers uh quarterback uh you know i'll be honest i thought daniel jones actually had a pretty good day yesterday uh yes there was that fumble which was knocked out of his hands i wish he had slid instead of tried to carry the ball forward i mean it got punched out uh, i'm not thrilled that it was but you know, when you get down to it, I think it was a decision that he made to try to go forward instead of sliding. He should have given himself up, and then I don't think he would have fumbled the ball. So I thought that was more of a decision mistake than it was a physical mistake. We all know that the Broncos got the ball punched out of their hands by Logan Ryan twice, too. Yeah. That happens in the NFL. Guys do punch balls out. So I'm, I'm that didn't really totally upset me as much as maybe some other people, but but uh, uh, really, when you get down to it, as a team, there were a lot of reasons why the Giants did not play well and looked poor yesterday. I think there were 14 teams in the National Football League who woke up this morning and said, you know what, we're 0-1 and that stinks. And the Giants are one of those teams. I think that's also a very generic way to put things in the National Football League. Though there will be an additional team after tonight, Paul, that you'll have to add to that tally, which will wake up on Tuesday morning not happy because we do still have one more game on the slate. That's Ravens-Raiders coming your way tonight. But to get back to the Giants side of things, I want to piggyback off of your point about the fumble. Listen, 
Turnovers are terrible, no matter how you try to spin them, no matter how you look at them, because every possession is so valuable in the NFL. But I think what I was reminded of from watching this game from the Giants' perspective, and they had red zone issues again. They were one for three in the red zone. And technically, the Daniel Jones fumble doesn't count as a red zone possession, but they would have went into the red zone on that run. So, I mean, I really consider that somewhat of a red zone possession that you have nothing to show for it. And that was an issue last season when they only scored 46% of the time with touchdowns. But timing seems to be everything with the Giants. And the mistakes, Paul, pile up when they can least afford to have them because the fumble... It's the huge turning point in this game. And it's not so simple to your point to say one play alone is the reason why the Giants lost this game. But what I'm saying is from a momentum standpoint, it's a 17-7 game. You're down by 10. You're building momentum through a lengthy drive. You're knocking on the door for, hey, at least maybe a field goal attempt. You lose the ball. Denver then marches down and tacks on another field goal to now give themselves even more cushion. Here's another example of how timing is everything. Let's go to the first possession of the game, Paul. You get that big game to Darius Slayton from 42 yards out after Daniel Jones and company caught them offside. And Slayton made a great catch on Kyle Fuller. Then what happens on the next two plays? Tony loses six, and then Booker loses two. You go from a first and 10 at the Denver 30. Once again, you're knocking on the door for at least points, a field goal opportunity. You then lose eight yards. It's now third and 18 from the Denver 38, and you're now out of field goal range. So those are the types of things that, are you? once again, in the are small you? picture, may not look that bad, but you add them all up, killer. See, I'm not so sure you're out of field goal range. I actually would have tried the 55-yarder with Gano because I think he's got the leg. He's proven for the Giants during the year that he was here that he could take a shot at that knowing points were going to be at a premium in this game, or at least thinking that they would be, why would you pass on an opportunity to get the three points there? I, I, I will tell you, my initial thought, and I'm not second-guessing anybody here, my initial thought was, let Gano have a shot at this 55-yarder. It's a beautiful day. The weather is terrific. Um, you know, I think maybe he can make this. Uh, but the Giants elected to take the delay a game and put the ball away. Uh but, look, that was probably about 0.05% of why they lost this game. So I don't want to harp on that. But as long as you wanted to bring up that opening drive, would, would it have been advantageous to get three points on the first drive of the game to take the lead? Perhaps. I don't disagree with you. I think, though, part of the logic was, and Gano does have a strong leg and a good track record, by the off chance he doesn't make it, you give Denver excellent field position to start the game for them. And when you think that your defense, and granted, going into this game, the Giants didn't necessarily think the defense was going to struggle as much, and we'll get to that in a second. I don't think you want to give a veteran, polished quarterback like Teddy Bridgewater and tell him, now you pretty much have to go about half the field. I mean, that's a favorable circumstance for them to start the game. Paul. I would agree with you that, that that is a risk that I'm willing to take. See, one of the things about me, Lance, I'm a very emotional kind of guy, in case you didn't know that. I did not realize that. I'm glad you clarified that. Yes. Uh, I so, spent so, so many years trying to get to the bottom of that. <laughs> Finally, some clarity. <laughs> Whew, what a relief. Well, it's good that I can admit that, right? Yes. So so I do play a lot on emotions. I play, I play a lot on the mental aspect of the game. And I do play a lot on the intangibles and the atmospheres. And I, I think the Giants, they're home. It's the first game of the season. 
First game for fans back in two years. You wind up receiving the opening kickoff because the Broncos defer. I'm I'm doing whatever I can to get points on that opening drive. And if it means I'm getting a field goal on a 55-yarder, then that's what it means. I want those first points. I want to make my fans sit back, smile, exhale, and say, all right, hey, Giants, go Giants, got points, got the lead. Maybe this could be a good day. I'm, I'm trying to help the buzz in the crowd and help the buzz on my sideline. I, I want that lead. I want points on that first drive. That's that's an intangible thing. It's a psychological thing. I'm not saying that Joe Judge was wrong because I don't think there's a right or wrong answer here. I think there are a lot of people who probably would have wanted the points. I think there are a lot of people who said, you know what, why put your defense in potentially a dangerous situation? I, I'm, not, I'm not saying right or wrong. I'm just a guy who likes a hamburger with his ketchup, other people like their hamburger with mustard. It's okay. You know, you could do that. I'm, I'm a ketchup guy. What about hot dogs, just for clarification? Mustard, mustard on hot dogs. Mustard on hot dogs. Okay. All right. Well, Actually, some people had a very touchy-feely about these subjects. Green relish is really good on hot dogs. Okay, wow. Now you're adding a third choice here. You're becoming an equal <laughs> opportunist as this show progresses. Now, after all of that, as we were discussing the opening drive, the Giants still had a 7-3 to lead in this game, and there was about just over two minutes remaining in the second quarter. So despite the fact that it got off to a disappointing slow start, they still had momentum in their favor because Daniel Jones hit Sterling Shepard from 37 yards out, and then, of course, you had the Denver Broncos fumble the ball when they drove deep into Giants territory. Giants went three and out, and this is where all of a sudden the defensive struggles started to show up. And remember, Paul, this was an issue in the first half of last season. Teams would get the ball late in the first half. They would run their two-minute drill, and the Giants just could not get off the field. And more often than not, we'd see a touchdown, few situations we saw a field goal, but pretty much the common theme was the opposition scoring points, they're gaining momentum, and then they have an opportunity to double up because they then get the ball back to start the third quarter. And that's exactly how things played out for the Broncos. They put together a seven-play, 57-yard drive, 217 left in the first half, and Teddy Bridgewater winds up hitting Tim Patrick from two yards out. They get the touchdown, blink of an eye, they march down the field. And then what made matters worse, the opening drive to the third quarter, 16 plays, 75 yards, 8-12. This is the money statistic. Denver had five third downs, Paul, on this drive. They converted four of those five third downs. The one they didn't convert was the third and eight from the Giants' 11. Fant picked up seven, but they decided to go for it on fourth and one, and that's when Teddy Bridgewater and his scrambling and the tight end giving him some room and flexibility to make a play on the sideline paid off, and all of a sudden, a game that was 7-3 is now 17-7. Giants defense couldn't get off the field on third down. Well, you know, Lance, again, you're, you're citing a specific that is clearly correct. There's no doubt. Giants, I mean, they gave up three of three on fourth down conversions. Let's not forget that either. Sure. The Broncos decided to be brazen and bolden, and indeed, it made off for them. Seven of 15 third down conversions, but the three of three fourth downs also incredibly critical because they converted a fourth down on both of those drives. Uh, let me see here. No, it was a fourth down they converted on the one to end the second quarter. They did not convert a fourth down on the uh, the touchdown drive in the third. But isn't it interesting? And I truly believe you're correct 
That's where well, the this touchdown game, drive of the third point, I don't mean to interrupt you, that came on a fourth and one. Yes, the one in the third yes, quarter. yes, yes. But I'm talking about during the course of the drive. It I capped the drive. Gotcha. It capped yeah. the drive. It didn't come during the course of the drive. Now, I thought that that the three possessions, okay, the three possessions that that we're talking about at the end of the second quarter and the start of the third, that's the whole game in a nutshell right there. It really is. Because you get the forced fumble by Logan Ryan inside your own five-yard line. Okay, so your defense comes up with a turnover. They get the takeaway. They bail you out by Broncos not scoring, but also giving your offense now a chance with the lead to do something. And you better change field position if nothing else. And what do the Giants do with that? They do absolutely nothing. And they go three and out. Broncos go, and as you said, they get the touchdown to get the 10-7 lead at halftime. So that four-minute stretch at the end of the second quarter was excruciating. And then when the Broncos come out in the third, what happens on this drive? Another fumble. Logan Ryan, they punch the ball out. Ryan gets the ball on the sideline, and they say, oh, he didn't have control. His knee hit the sideline. Broncos get to keep the ball and what happens only a few plays later, they get the fourth and inches, they get the touchdown, and oh, by the way, what happens on the touchdown? You get the the, the, the missed tackle by Blake Martinez when, you know, come on, this guy's a tackle machine, and somehow he misses a tackle. You get the, the pressure on the play by uh, Xavier McKinney, where, yeah. are you kidding me? How does he not get him? It, it was just like... Some of this stuff was just like making you shake your heads. And at that point now, it's 17-7. And i got to be honest with you, Lance. At that point, I said to myself, okay, this is a tidal wave that's now just coming down on the Giants. Before Jones even had that fumble on his scramble, and I know that it was a 10-point game, and they were in the red zone by the time Jones coughed it up. Honestly, I thought right then and there, this game was going to be very hard for the Giants to win. And I said that before Jones even fumbled the ball. So I appreciate the fact that, you know, you wanted to cite that. But I thought that the the two Bronco drives, the two touchdowns that sandwiched the halftime break, that's where this game, in all honesty, was won and lost. Well, because then Denver has the lead. They're able to run the football. You take pressure off of their offense. Teddy doesn't have to play hero ball. It's exactly how Denver wants to orchestrate their offense in the second half. And one of the things I wanted to add, you mentioned the three and out was killer because you didn't change field position. Denver, by the way, took over at their own 43-yard line on that touchdown drive at the end of the second quarter. So that's where I go back to in the first quarter. You don't want to give Denver half the field because if you give Denver half the field, more often than not, they're going to capitalize. And that's exactly what happened at the tail end of the second quarter. So it was a tidal wave. It was a combination of the defense not being able to get off the field, as I mentioned. And it was also then the offense, even though maybe, as you mentioned, 10-point lead, they probably weren't going to overcome it. But they did have opportunities, Paul. After this, they had multiple red zone opportunities. It was a 20-7 to game. There's 12.44 to go in the fourth. Giants put together a 14-play, 69-yard drive. They get all the way down to the seven-yard line of Denver, first and goal. And four opportunities inside the 10. When have we heard about this story before? Last season. And not being able to punch it in. And this was another example 
of bringing in some new personnel, okay, to try to help your cause. He overthrew Kyle Rudolph, Daniel Jones, on the third and goal in the corner, and then he went to Kenny Galladay, and I thought Kyle Fuller made a really good play to knock the ball away. So I don't want to hear, well, Daniel Jones, they're not utilizing the new targets. Oh, They threw the ball towards the guys that you thought were going to help in the red zone. Part of it was, hey, tip your cap to Denver's defense. The other part was quarterback, target, not necessarily on the same page, but that was a huge disappointment. And then at this time, it's a 20-point game. I understand probably the game's out of hand, but... You're moving the ball again. You don't get into the red zone. Well, no, you do get into the red zone. You get down to the Denver 16. Right. And here's another situation where, once again, they've got nothing to show for it. Yeah. Uh, you know, obviously the tidal wave had already hit the ship at that point, And yeah. there were holes in the hull, and it was going down. So I get that. I do want to go back to, 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 the, uh, to the Ryan uh, fumble situations. I, I, I do want to correct myself. He was inside the sideline when he had that first fumble recovery, and they said that uh, Judy's knee was down Correct. on yeah. the second one when they reversed it. I'm not so sure I agreed with that one, to be quite honest with you. But in any case, uh, you know, listen, I want to give tremendous credit to Teddy Bridgewater. Okay, let me make something very, very, very clear here. And we did talk about this on the postgame show on MSG after the game. The Giants got pressure. They had guys in the backfield. They had guys in the pocket. They had guys surrounding Bridgewater. In fact, just forget the two sacks. They hit him six times. But there were too many times where he was running around back there like a snake. I mean, he was as slippery as melted butter. I, I can't say enough about not only how surgical his passes were, but how many times he escaped pressure. And usually it was in a critical moment. You'd, you'd think you got him. Damn, well, here comes the, the safety blitz. Here comes the linebacker. Here comes the defensive end. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, blink of an eye, Bridgewater got away. And so I don't want to hear anybody tell me this morning on the, on the rest of our show that the Giants didn't have a pass rush. Don't tell me that. They got plenty of guys across the line of scrimmage, plenty of guys in the backfield, plenty of guys collapsed and surrounded the pocket, and Bridgewater found creases to get away. That is to his credit. That is not that the Giants had no pass rush. I'll take that pass rush any week. I really will, because I don't think most quarterbacks are going to get away like Bridgewater did. Yeah, he did a heck of a job extending plays, and that comes with the experience, and he was efficient, too. See, to me, it was twofold, Paul. He extended plays because he was slippery, as you mentioned, but then he also executed the throw as he may have felt the pressure. And the Giants did have two sacks, six quarterback hits, but he was 28 of 36. And there were some throws that he was making where he was going across his body. You know, very difficult, challenging throws. I also think... What I'll add to that is I think the Broncos receiving core deserves a lot of credit because yeah. there were a few opportunities where, and I was listening to Teddy's press conference because I think you can learn a lot when you hear it through the lens of the player and even, <clears throat> excuse me, Vic Fangio after the game where, you know, they tell you what exactly they were looking for on the play and then what happened. And Teddy broke down the play that you were referring to where McKinney gets free off the edge. He's right in his face. They're doing a little dance in front of one another. And then Teddy gets rid of the ball. The tight end on that play, he was in on run blocking. If you go back and you watch the film, and yeah. then as he sees Teddy's extending the play, he then tries to make a play for his quarterback. Yeah. And he then no runs doubt. out towards the right sideline. 
Teddy sees him, gives it to him. He makes one man miss, and then he extends towards the pylon. So you need, on the opposite end of the equation, Paul, my point is you need that, that extra effort, that mindset from the player to then help his quarterback. So to me, it was really twofold. Teddy did an excellent job, but the Broncos receiving core did a really good job adapting when plays looked like they were breaking down. I couldn't agree with you more, Lance. And to be honest with you, Teddy Bridgewater is a new Broncos quarterback. Let's not forget that. How do you, how do you find chemistry like that with your receivers when things are breaking down, when you're brand new to the team? I mean, he was not a Bronco last year. He was a Panther. Yeah. Okay. I don't know how many snaps he took during the preseason. Maybe that's my bad. Well, he got a handful of work in the preseason. You know, because remember, he was in a competition with Drew Locke. They were evaluating both of those guys. Um, but but I, I did not look at how many of the snaps he took with the starters. I, would, I, I probably should have gone through that. But it, to me, for him to have the kind of mental osmosis that he had with his receivers – to be able to make these plays after they were breaking down time and time again in the most critical of situations, you'd swear he'd played with these guys for five years. Well, we knew he had comfort with the offensive scheme because he was with Pat Shermer. I agree with you. He didn't have a wealth of regular season work, and Noah Fant was a little bit banged up too over the course of the preseason. So, yeah, very impressive. And that's why... We were having conversations leading up to this game, and I kept saying Denver is a very underrated team. It's easy to look past this team because they don't have a lot of star power, but these guys have experience, and also, you know, the defense was very fundamentally sound. And when you don't give up those big explosive plays, you don't make the mental mistakes, and you keep everybody in front of you, you're going to give your team a chance to win. And the defense complemented the offense very nicely, vice versa. You just unfortunately didn't see that from the Giants, and that's a yeah. big reason why they fell 27-13 to the Denver Broncos. few reminders before we open up the phone lines here at 201-939-4513. First of all, don't miss out on the return of New York Giants football. 2021 season is now underway. There is still time to secure your season tickets. Root on your Giants here at MetLife Stadium. You can speak with the Giants ticket representative now. Become a season ticket member. You call 888-NYG-1925. You can take in all the action of New York Giants football from your very own private suite. Giants suites are a great way to entertain the family and friends while rooting on your Giants here at MetLife Stadium. You can speak with a Giants suite representative now. Call 888-NYG-1925. Coming up. September 26th, that is the next home game. You can watch the Giants retire Eli Manning's jersey in style. We're offering an exclusive suite package, which includes Eli bobbleheads, jerseys, T-shirts, and more. Speak with the Giants suite representative now. Also call 888-NYG-1925 for that. Select option four. And another reminder, the Delta variant is spreading quickly in all areas of New York State. People who are not fully vaccinated are at greater risk from COVID-19. You can protect yourself, get vaccinated. Visit ny.gov slash get vaccinated or talk to your health care provider. All right, Lance, let's open up Lance, the phone lines. Yes, go if ahead. If I could add one thing I do want to just say before we got to these phone calls, because we've gone now, what, almost 25 minutes. We haven't even mentioned Saquon Barkley once. Credit to him to be able to make it back for this opening week's game. I mean, consider sure. what he went through. His knee blew out. ACL, MCL, surgery last October, and he was out there. He gave it what he had, wound up with 11 touches, which did not surprise me. I, I said max 15. He had 11. Uh, played in, what, 29 snaps, I believe, 48% of the offensive snaps. Was a decoy for many of them. 
uh, but successful in that after the game, he said he didn't feel anything that was abnormal, was not alarmed by any of the hits that he took, and credit to him for being able to come back and function in a football game, even though the stats weren't you know glaring and terrific and marvelous. That wasn't the point. The point is Saquon Barkley did what he had to do to uh, be a pro and busted his butt all offseason to get back, and he did. And I, I think that's a success right now. And, uh, you know, can't, can't say enough about that young man, and I'm very, very happy for him. Well, a check on the road to recovery. As far as the rushing numbers are concerned, yeah, they were not pretty. 20 carries, 60 yards, 3 yards per carry. I mean, to put things in perspective here, the longest run by a running back yesterday was Devontae Booker, a six-yard run. The longest run in general was Daniel Jones for eight yards. Yeah. So, you know, that was something that also impacted the offense. Now, they were able to move the football with the pass. Sterling Shepard, I thought, made one difficult catch after another. He was terrific. He had, right? A very efficient game. Kenny Galladay, I know his numbers don't jump off the page. Terrific. But he also made some really challenging catches, which was encouraging. Once again, it didn't lead to points. So, you know, you could only throw him out there so much, these numbers, and say, well, you know, once again, the bottom line is you want to see it reach the end zone. I get that. But there were some encouraging signs in terms of the passing game, but... Last year, remember, we talked about how they did run the football effectively. So this was, to me, a bit of a step back in terms of not having that balance. It wasn't because of the lack of volume. Listen, they ran the ball 20 times. You just want to see more meat on the bone and not just 60 yards. Final quick comment, Lance. One positive and one negative. The biggest negative for me in this game, because it was the foundation that the house was supposed to be built on, is that the Giants had to run the ball 35 times for about 140 yards. We all thought, at least I certainly put a lot of stock in the fact that the Giants would have an easier time run blocking than pass blocking, which didn't turn out to be the case, and that they could take advantage of the softer underbelly of the Broncos' rushing defense. Well, somehow the Broncos' rushing defense wound up looking like the Chicago Bears of 1985 yesterday. I have no idea how that happened. Their personnel really did not change. The Giants just didn't block it well, and they never got anything going. Four possessions in the first half, plus a kneel down, and they ran, I think, seven times for nine yards or eight yards in the first half. Yeah, eight yards, yeah. Never got that ground game going, and that was step number one on my game plan. That was an absolute mandatory. You must play to your strength and play to their weakness and that never happened. The exact opposite happened. And that's the thing that would tick me off the most if, if I were to look at this game and say, where did it really fall apart? That was the concrete that the foundation was built on. And, and they totally let that go the other way. And, and that, would be, that would be my biggest observation negatively. Positively, should we, should we not mention the fact that Daniel Jones... 22 out of 37 for a touchdown, no interceptions, and was only hit twice on the two sacks. The pass protection was actually pretty good. Yeah, considering you had to deal with Von Miller, but Von Miller did, remember, make his presence felt. He had two quarterback hits, two sacks, and made his presence felt, I thought, from start to finish. They didn't have Bradley Chubb. 
So we don't know how things would have played out. They did have Malik Reed, and he was kept relatively quiet. So, yeah, I would agree with you. I don't think the pass rush killed the Giants, but I do think the run defense for Denver helped make up for maybe what they were expecting a little bit more in terms of their pass rush, and that put the Giants in situations where I think Denver got to a point where they said, listen, the Giants know the only way they're going to dig themselves out of this hole, Paul, is they're going to have to throw the football. And then you become a little bit more predictable because you're not as balanced of an offense. So that, I think, came back to bite them in the long run. Even though the Broncos didn't come home, the secondary knew what to anticipate because the guys up front handled the run game for the Giants. Yeah, but but at the same time, when you're not running the ball and everybody in the building knows you're going to pass, you're down by you know two scores midway through the second half. And usually that's when those guys start teeing off and your offensive line is in the worst position to try to pass protect. And yet I thought they held up pretty darn well. I'd be curious. I haven't had a chance to go back. I'd be curious late in the game how much the Broncos were bringing the house because I felt as if, not that they were playing conservative, but I feel like they sort of anticipated, hey, the Giants are doing this. As long as we're solid on the back end, we don't necessarily have to bring the house. So I'd have to go back and look. I wasn't necessarily monitoring that as closely during the course of the game, but that would be an interesting observation to talk about what you were getting at. Let's open up the phone lines here at 201-939-4513. Let's check in with Jeff in Connecticut, who joins us here on Big Blue Kickoff Live. What's happening, Jeff? Hey, how you doing, Lance? How you doing, Paul? Hi. Doing all right, Jeff. What do you got for us? Uh, well, I got a couple quick points. Number one, uh, our defense yesterday, which was supposed to be what we're hanging our hat on, uh, you know, this upcoming season, uh, our, we could not stop the dig route yesterday. I mean, I can't tell you how many times Teddy Bridgewater completed a pass over the middle on a dig route. And, and, you know, our, our defensive coordinator, who I, who I love, I mean, the guy is great, but he, we couldn't make any adjustments to stop that one play. I mean, it, it was frustrating to watch. Time after time, I mean, Bridgewater would stop, you know, drop back, and then the, the guy over the middle every time was open. And I was just, uh, it was alarming to me that we could not stop that one route, which is pretty much what killed us the whole game. Well, I think part of the credit goes to the Broncos personnel, too. I thought some of those guys made some really good catches. Noah Fant specifically, Cortland Sutton, Judy before he got hurt. You know, they deserve some credit. The guys get paid on the opposite side, and they were going up and making grabs for their quarterback, which is what I was noting earlier in the program. I understand your point that it's frustrating to see it happen consistently, but I do think the Broncos personnel helped out their quarterback immensely. And guys, I don't want to say it went above the X's and O's. I don't think some of these plays were extraordinary, but I do think that they went up and they challenged to go up and grab the football as opposed to make it easy on the Giants' defense. Right. No, I, I agree with that, Lance. But, uh, you know... The other point I wanted to make, you know, I'm not going to flip out after one game. It's it's one game, you know. The season just started. But, you know, the thing that really bothered me yesterday and I was at the game was how much of an advantage the, the visiting teams have now. It's like Giants Stadium used to be places where teams came in and feared the, the Giants with LT and Banks and all those guys. And, and, and you know, any time a bad play happens, it's like the fans immediately get deflated and, and, you know, we're waiting on the other shoe to drop. And it, it's, it's alarming. I mean, what is our home record from 2017? What have we won, like five games? I mean, I don't have the, the, the stat in front of me. But it, we have not – we have to stop this losing at home. It, it's become sickening to Giant fans. And, and, and I was there yesterday. It was deflating to watch everybody leaving with six minutes in the game. 
You know, I mean, we got we got to get back to Giant Stadium. You know, that that's our home field. We got to show up and we got to make sure that people know that we're not going to get pushed around no more on our home field. I don't, I'm curious what you guys think about that. Joe right, Judge, Jeff, we'll, we'll let you go on that point. Appreciate the phone call. Joe go ahead, Judge Paul. addressed that question in the media uh, press conference yesterday. He said we have to earn the fans' respect and earn the fans' support and give them a reason to be really pumped up and excited. He knows that. And and he said it when he first got here about the kind of football team he wants and the the, 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 the environment and the climate and what people are in this region. We're rough, we're tough, we're rugged, we're resilient. We're going to punch you in the nose and smack you in the face and all the stuff that, uh, you know, that, that he wants this football team to be, that's the goal. He He's with the caller. He he wants that caller to be extremely happy and extremely vocal. That's that's what he's trying to get to. The Giants, by the way, I'm just looking up the numbers. They were 2-6 and six at home from 2017 to 2019. Last season, I know there were no fans. They were 3-5 and five at home. So that's pretty much how things have played out. Listen, you want to win games no matter where the game is located, okay? You know, every game is so important. Are the Giants saying to themselves, if the fans are not into it, there's no way we're going to win the game? I wouldn't go so far. But I think what Joe Judge talked about in his press conference, as Paul was highlighting, the way the fans get animated is when the product calls for that. So I don't necessarily put it on one end or the other. It's when the Giants play consistent and they are able to get off the field on third down, and the offense is able to punch it into the end zone, then you're going to feed off of that momentum because the fans are going to provide it. So, well, you, to me, those things go hand in hand. You make a good point, Lance. The shame of it is they swept the NFC East at home last year, and the fans weren't allowed in the building. Well, you can argue who knows why that took place. I'm sure there's a lot of people that are doing studies at stadiums all across the board. Did fans or the lack thereof have any impact in terms of communication at the oh, line no. of scrimmage, I'm whatever not, it may be? I, I'm not talking about that. I'm simply saying the fans are saying they want to see the Giants win at home, and it hasn't happened enough in recent years. Sure. Well, well that's last, why I threw out the numbers. Last yeah. year, it's a shame they weren't allowed in because of protocols last year, and they swept the division. How much do you think the fans would have loved to have sat in those seats and watched them beat Washington, Philly, and Dallas all in the same season, which has not happened in Absolutely. quite a long time? So it was it was a hard luck break that the fans could not participate in those victories. That was my point. Let's head back to the phone lines. Paul is on Staten Island. Paul, what's happening? Hey, guys. Love your show. Great job. Um, just two points I have about the offense. I thought the play calling on the first drive, if it's leading to that big pass, um, you do that little screen thing with, with Tony and you lost six yards there, so that killed that drive. And then how come we realized we couldn't run the ball, you know, up the middle or really anywhere? How come we didn't utilize uh, running backs in, in the screen game? I don't think we had one screen pass. Uh, great show. I'll take your call up there. All right, Paul. Appreciate the phone call. He was referring to the screen passes. Saquon had one catch in this game for one yard. Gary Brightwell had a catch. Devontae Booker had a catch in terms of how things broke down for the running back. So you had three receptions in total for the running backs. I think Kadarius Toney had two catches for negative two yards. So when you add all of that up in terms of the short passing game and maybe guys getting yak, the volume wasn't high. But once again, I think that goes back to the stalling of some drives. And Joe Judge, Paul, indicated after the game that because Tony has missed so much time 
they sort of had the mindset that they clearly weren't going to put him out there for the majority of the game because, I mean, he was barely in there for the second half. If you looked at the personnel, they utilized him a little bit more early. So, you know, part of it, I think, was managing guys, and this really relates to Barkley, too. You don't want to wear him down in terms of week one, given the fact that a few of these guys were not fully healthy over the course of the preseason. We knew going in, and we told you this last week on the show, they would be limited. Barkley was going to be limited. Tony's package was going to be limited. The question was, how much might Galladay be limited? And it didn't look like he was limited very much at all, which was kind of good news because, you know, we at least we got to see some of him, although it was more in the second half. I think Galladay gave you some reasons to be excited as you watched him play. Absolutely. I'm with you. That's why I brought up some of those contested catches. Go back and watch them in the fourth quarter. There was one over the middle where Daniel Jones threaded the needle. And, I mean, it probably had maybe turnover written all over it. And Galladay, full extension, reached out, made the grab. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, those are the types of plays that that's the difference between staying on the field and getting off the field. No question. Let's head back to the phone lines. Stas is in Washington. Stas, welcome to the program. What do you got for us? Hey, what's up, guys? So, first and foremost, Denver deserved the win. They, they did everything they were supposed to do. We did not. I'm not the type of Giants fan that's going to throw the baby out with the bathwater on week one. Like, that's, to me, that's just dumb. I, I, will, I do, I do want to make a few points that I just want you know, to, to maybe put some thought out there. Um, first and foremost, you know what I think frustrates the, the, the Giants fans the most about the offense? Is that even last year, at some point early in the game, the Giants always took a deep shot that always seemed to be a beautiful pass to, to a wide receiver who's running 20-plus yards down the field. And then what happens is it, then it, it just disappears. And then after that is this dink and dunk, short, you know, dig routes. That's honestly not DJ's strength. Like, like, we know his deep ball is his strength, and it just seems like we see it, and then it goes away. And it's not that they're... It's not that they're playing this super tight coverage. If anything, Denver yesterday kept all their safeties down low, and they, their effort defensively was to stop the run. So we had the defensive looks, and our offensive line held up well. If you're not in the run game, but in the passing game, it's the best I've seen them in a very long time. DJ had the time, and I think that's the frustrating thing is that we see this beautiful pass first quarter down the field, Darius Slayton, and, and we're like, Oh yeah, this this is what we're looking for. Then then it goes away, and then you know you're you you get this turnover in in that's in your in your and you're backed up in your own end zone now. And the first play up the middle run to get some space totally makes sense. But then to make your next two plays to the flats does not like that didn't make sense for me when I was playing high school football. We, we wouldn't do that. The idea was to at a minimum give your punter some space so that he can punt the ball away if, if, you did, if you did end up with a turnover. I mean, if you did end up not being able to convert the third down. And then lastly, I'm not going to sit here and throw Daniel Jones under the bus for this loss on one fumble. We were, flat for the dif- we were flat on turnover differential. We both had one. The problem in this game was that Denver punted the ball, I think, twice the yeah. entire game. That's the problem in the game. And, you know, you you heard Giants Twitter was just going crazy saying, oh, it's because the offense, you know, was was having so many quick three and outs, the defense got tired. I I don't buy that because the very first drive of the very – right at the beginning of the game, Denver marched the ball down on a, you know, I think it was like a 12-play drive. So we got – we have to stop 
stop blowing the whole thing up. And, and, and it's, it's hard to be a Giants fan. It is. But at some point, us Giants fans, we've got to exercise a little emotional intelligence. Like, I grew up in New York. I've seen my own family members take their jersey off and throw it out the window angry at the game just to go back downstairs and see if their jersey is still out there. Like, you've got to stop and you've got to think and you've got to just say, hey, the defense is going to play better. They are. And what the defense looked like to me was poor tackling and a lot of missed assignments. Uh, and um, people weren't playing things correctly. It, it looked like a team who didn't play a lot in the preseason. That's what that looked like to me. The offense looked actually to be the strength of our team yesterday, which everyone thought was going to be opposite. So it's probably like throwing ice water on everybody, so I get it. But this, uh, to me, this is Stas, one football. Can I, get, can I give you two yeah. pieces of feedback? And number one, I, I don't want to let you continue without going to what you just said a second ago about it looked a little bit like the preseason. Didn't Coach Judge and Coach Graham talk about this just last Absolutely. week? I mean, that's mm-hmm. they, they, they both said it. They both said that, you know, you want to get better each and every week, and it's going to take September to figure out where the team is. That's the case around the NFL. And probably every team that lost yesterday is probably thinking the same thing that we still got to figure some things out. We still have to know what our guys can do. We still have to make sure that we find rhythm and that we gel and that we get all those intangibles squared away because those teams are feeling their way through. And the teams that won probably are feeling their way through, but they were lucky enough to win. So, oh, we're not going to talk about that because they won. Because remember, winning is the Band-Aid for all ills. So absolutely 1,000%. Both our defensive coordinator with the uh, Giants and the head coach had had kind of warned you, especially on defense. Patrick Graham said it. It's going to take some gelling. So I wanted to bring that point up because it reinforces your remark. The second thing I wanted to bring up is that they had turnovers sitting at their disposal that would have stopped two Broncos scoring drives. You had McKinney who probably should have picked off that play on the Broncos' second drive of the game when he came floating over from center field and knocked the ball away down the Giants' sideline. That's a ball he probably could have picked off, and that could have changed that whole drive because the Broncos wound up scoring. Okay, So, you know, there was a situation where the defense could have gotten off the field, but he didn't. He didn't make the pick that he potentially could have made. And then, of course, there's the Logan Absolutely. Ryan punching out that ball on Judy, which, you know, it was ruled it wasn't a fumble. But that would have also prevented a Broncos scoring drive. So the defense was on the field for two extended scoring drives, where in the middle of those drives, they actually were in position to create the takeaway that would have bailed them out. I agree. I agree. And it's, it's, to me, it's, I talk it up to week one football. You saw a lot of bad, you know, lack. look, Blake Martinez is a tackling machine. We all know this. And he made some very poor angles and very poor uh, tackles that I know that it's going to get cleaned up. You know, I think that the fans are, are, are frustrated, sure, and, and, and rightfully so. Giants haven't won in a very long time. And even when they were winning in, in 2016, you, you kind of felt like um, if, we, if we're not pitching shutouts, we're not going to win that year because our offense was extremely anemic. So I, I get the frustration. But I think we just got to kind of sit back. And not to mention, listen, I, I'm, I hate doing this, 
but I, I, I rewatched the game twice, and I can tell you, I saw three blatant holds on our three te- against our three technique that wasn't called. That could yeah, but Stas, that happens every single game. Was I, I mean, so right. I wouldn't get too caught up in that. But, no, I wouldn't either. And, and this actually goes back to my next point. There's also a week one for officiating, too. Like, <laughs> Yeah, but Stas, Stas, even Joe Judge said after the game he thought it was a well-officiated game, so yeah. please don't go there. That, yeah. that's, not, that's not an area you really want to hit. Yeah, because you're going to bring that up in week eight, too, just as much as people are going to bring that up in week one. The officiating is always going to be Fair part enough. of the game. And listen, we'll let you go on that note, Stas. Appreciate the phone call. I just wanted to add what you were referencing, Paul. Patrick Graham, and I said this on a few programs, he said the one thing he was worried about was the run defense. Yep. And while sure did. the Broncos didn't necessarily have the back-breaking type of run with the exception of Melvin Gordon, I did think they were a tough-minded team on the ground. Javante Williams was fighting for a lot of extra yardage. Same thing with Melvin Gordon. And then, you know, the big touchdown run, he really did a nice job getting into the middle of the defense, cutting back, and then finding the opening. So am I stunned that they did not defend the run as good as they did last season? No, because, I mean, Patrick Graham even said the coach admitted he was worried about that staple. And there you go. They had struggles overall throughout that game yesterday. So, you know, Graham knew it. He had a good read on his team. He understood it wasn't going to be smooth and pretty. Let's head back to the phone lines, check in with Travis in Virginia. What's happening, Travis? Hey, guys. How are you? I love the show. Thank you for giving me the opportunity. And I just wanted to hear your thoughts, uh, specifically both Paul and John, on the fumble itself. Well, it's Lance, but it's okay. Because, you know, this is not something uh, that is new. You know, we, this is now the 30th turnover, I think, from Jones. And I guess I'm wondering who in the Giants organization is helping him to work through this, either to put two hands on the football after gaining the first down, cover up the football, um, you know, slide, do anything to protect. Because as we know in the NFL, we watch it week after week. You know, turnovers uh, just kill. And I think this is a very different discussion today with Giant fans. Had that third uh, quarter drive ended in a touchdown, we'd be talking about a much closer football game. And my concern is, again, I think Daniel Jones did some very good things yesterday. I think it was about 59.5% with 267 yards. Those are pretty good numbers. And it looked like Slate and it looked like Shepard were open on many different plays. So this is not a call to, to criticize everything about Jones. I'm more worried about who's working with him on the psychology of being a leader on the field for the Giants so we can avoid these fumbles down the stretch and win some football games. And, and I'll uh, put it on mute so I can hear what you guys have. Well, Travis, first of all, if you noticed, he had two hands on the football when he, he fumbled did. the ball. He did. Okay, it, it was punched out. It was a good yeah. play. He had two hands. I mean, fundamentally, that's what you want your quarterback to do. What so you, I, what I really, you really wanted to know, do. Yeah, Paul, I don't know what else you could have asked Daniel Jones to do. You know, sometimes you have to say, hey, you know, the defense did just a really good job knocking the ball out. But he, he had both hands on his football. It, the, the, for me, the criticism of him on that play is slide. Okay, because it, it was, it was uh, 10 yards to go, and he slid. You know, he had nine yards on the play. I think in his mind, he was trying to get to the chains. And he made a poor decision. He should have given himself up, take the eight yards, slide, and live for the next play. But I think as he got closer and closer to the chains, he was thinking, I'm going to go forward and I'm going to get this first down. And when he did that, he had two hands on the ball and it was punched out. So my problem is I would have preferred him to give himself up and slide. That, I think, is where I can be critical of him. I can't be critical of him when he had two hands on the ball and the guy punches it out. That's going to happen sometimes. 
Yeah, and that was the first thing that I noticed on the fumble and appreciate the phone call. When you ask, you know, what are the coaches telling him? Well, the coaches are definitely telling him to make sure you have both hands on the football. I can guarantee you that. The slide thing is well taken. And maybe it, from a mindset standpoint, and this is something that I also brought up with respect to Daniel Jones last season, when the offense is struggling and you're not punching it in and you look at the score and it's a 10-point deficit, are you saying to yourself or how do you get within a game and say, hey, you know, I don't need to gain the extra three yards, Paul. Right. I could just right. slide here. You know, I agree. I, I look at it as putting the cape on and trying to play superhero when you don't at that point in the game. Yeah, now, he tried to do too much on the play. Exactly. Look, and the reason yeah. that I'm sensitive about this is because this happened to Eli Manning down at the link in Philadelphia several years ago. He wound up going forward yep. instead of going feet first on a slide, got hit. And coughed the ball up, and they said, well, he didn't give himself up, so he was still alive, and the ball came out, and it's Eagles' ball. And there was such a big to-do made about that. And ever since then, I have been very cognizant of when a quarterback takes off, okay, what is he thinking? What is he doing? If he's going to go down, go down and slide. Don't put yourself in a position where a fumble can happen. Once you slide, the ref will blow the play dead. You can't fumble the ball once you slide because you're ruled down. Right. That's what... God, that's great analysis, guys. I appreciate that because that, you know, that's the frustration that I've had in my family room and talking to my father who's been a Giant fan since, God, the 50s. And it's just those are the plays that we feel like we're just we're in these games and then we make those kind of gaps and it just costs us the opportunity. And then we're all on the phones on Monday upset about everything under the sun. But the reality yeah. is in the NFL, it's, it's one or two big plays, man, you know? Yeah, well, you that's know why it, it goes is. back to timing, oh, Travis. That's yeah. what it goes back to. It goes back to you can't afford to make these mistakes when you're knocking on the door. And that's when it's happening to the Giants. And appreciate the phone call. And, Lance, I think the other thing is the buildup of frustration. They've lost five opening day games in a row and ten of their last 11. Yep. Okay? That's where some of this extra frustration is bubbling over. And I get that, but I think even Joe Judge admits, and I agree with him every time he says this, one opening season loss has nothing to do with the other. It doesn't, but, it, but in the fans' minds, there is a cumulative effect, and that's why some of the reactions are as heavy as they are. Sure. No, I get that, meaning it's over the course of a decade. But what I'm saying is that just because you lost your season opener last year doesn't help your chances or hurt your chances of winning totally the season agree. opener you're right. the following year. You're right. Yeah. You're right. It, but when you're talking about fans' emotions – there's always going to be a buildup. That's just the way it is. Let's head back to the lines. Jeff is in New Hampshire. Jeff, what's happening? Not much, guys. How are you? Hi. You're right, Jeff. What do you got for us? Good. Um, just wanted to focus on some of the positives from the game. I mean, as you guys know, Giants Twitter, Sky is always falling every time we have a bad play. You're probably going to get a lot more negative calls than positive There were a handful that I thought were. And the, the first one to me was Andrew Thomas because, you know, the guy gave up a sack in the preseason, and all of a sudden he's a bust now, and everybody's right. been killing him for the last two weeks. They didn't call his name once in the broadcast. It's always one of the first signs for a left tackle. Mm -hmm. There were no penalties. There were nobody got by him. You know, he, he had a solid game. That's one of the first things you're looking for this year. Is Andrew Thomas going to take the next step and become the player we want going against Bradley Chubb? But doesn't matter. He he held up, and I I don't know if you guys mentioned this or not, but. I was impressed with our pass protection. I mean, you're never going to have a game where the other team gets zero hurries and zero hits. 
you know, our, our offensive lines passed for, we weren't the 95 Cowboys, but we protected in pass protection well enough to win an NFL game. And I agree. That's really all you yeah. can ask. So I agree. To me, that's a huge building block. Um, you know, I think you mentioned the running, the run blocking wasn't as good as expected, especially running block, run blocking was our strength last year. I also feel like that's going to be something that's easier to improve on throughout the season. Uh, Jeff, we're having a bad connection, so unfortunately we're going to let you go on that note. You're choppy. You're coming in and out. We did mention the pass protection earlier, Paul, so I don't know if there's not anything really to add to that. But once again, if you're going to say the run blocking is going to improve, then you also need to take into account, well, this is just one game, and they're going to see now a very strong Washington front on Thursday, you want to see consistency. You know, like anything else, you don't want to overreact to the first game, I think, both good and bad. You don't want to make the bad feel as if it's going to bleed over, and you don't want to say that the good is then a finished product and that there may not be room for a little ups and downs. So I think it's important to look at it through that standpoint, that the test is only going to get more difficult with respect to tougher fronts as the season progresses. That's true, and I would also say this, too. Let's not remember, Bredesen just got here. He had not played a game with this team, and he wound up taking 44 snaps, which is 72% of the offense yesterday, playing at guard because Lemieux was only limited to 17. Now, I warned people on BBKL last week that Lemieux may have to give way to Bredesen for some snaps because he had been limited during the last month due to that knee injury. I certainly did not expect him to play as few as 17 snaps, though. But that's what it turned out to be, which meant that Gates and Thomas had a guy in between them that they had never played a game with before. I'm In retrospect, seeing Bredesen play that many snaps, you know what? I can certainly logically understand why maybe the run blocking was a little bit out of sync because these guys are really unfamiliar with each other. And we'll see how that impacts their approach to Thursday's game if they want to wrestle MU a little bit more and then have him ready to go for Atlanta, or if Bredesen impressed them enough that they want to build continuity between those three guys that you mentioned. I think that's at least one storyline right off the bat to see whether or not that carries over. Let's continue to head back to the phone lines at 201-939-4513. Lance Meadow, Paul Dettino with you here on Monday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live. We're recapping the Broncos' 37, excuse me, 27-13 to 13 win over the New York Giants on Sunday. Len is in Maryland. He now joins us. What's happening, Len? Hey, guys. How you doing? Hi, Len. All right. What do you got for us? Pretty dismal. Pretty dismal. I expected the team to be... A little more ready than they appeared to be. No single unit on that football team yesterday played well enough to win an NFL regular season game. My opinion, they just weren't ready to play. Um, Basic rule in retailing. Never let your best customers leave your store unhappy. It adds up. It's why you're doing ads for tickets available now. Well, Len, did, did you have a problem with special time, teams, Len? May, Len? May not, may hold, not, hold on, may hold not, on, hold on, hold on. You said not okay. one unit played well enough to win an NFL game. What was belief. wrong? What was wrong with the special teams yesterday? I'm just, I'm just holding you to your word. What was wrong with the special teams? Because actually, they played not only really well, they were excellent. If if I answer that question, Paul, will you let me finish the second point? Absolutely. About the crowd? About Absolutely. The crowd? Okay. You can okay, do, finish you, whatever you, you like, you, but just answer okay. the question. All right. Okay. 
because she interrupted me in the middle of that second point. So I just want to make sure you'll let me go back there. I will. I will let, let me you go finish. Back. Okay. But, but you, you, the first okay. part of your statement is flawed. Okay. 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 Um, you you want to, it, it, to me, admit guilt on that, that statement because of um, a couple of punt coverages? Is is that where you is that where you are with this, Paul? Well, I'll, we I'll have we you. let's I'll see let's, uh, listen, four four listen, touchbacks on the you. kickoff returns, right? Uh, Jeff, Jeff, uh, Jeff. I'm sorry, that's one of my. That's all right. I'm, look, I'm being <laughs> Jeff today. I'm being. <laughs> let me make something clear. The reason that I'm being Jeff Eagles today and stressing how great yeah. special teams no. were is because we've yeah. spent a lot of months. In fact, probably yeah. a year and a half talking yeah. about Joe Judge, yeah. his emphasis on special teams, and that's yeah. the one lock that the Giants yeah. should have every week is that yeah. they should win special teams. Yeah. So I do think you, it's you important know, that we recognize that. That's the only okay, thing I'm listen, doing. Okay, listen, uh, the, my, my use of, of, of the name Jeff is talking to my season pick ticket holder partner. Jeff, I wasn't thinking of Jeff Fiegel. Well, but Fiegel's <laughs> so, would have told you the me. same thing, though. He would have told you the same thing. <laughs> yeah, this yeah, special okay, teams okay, were listen, good yesterday. Listen, listen Paul, come on. You, 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 you got to be kidding me. That team was dismal yesterday. I'm sticking you're gonna to pick uh, on that. Wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. You're going to pick on that single point team? Uh, I'm, I'm just Paul? sticking to the that facts, was- Len. Len, Len, I just, we spent months talking about special teams here, and I simply yeah. want to acknowledge that the special teams unit was not part of whatever skunk smell that you saw yesterday. Okay? You thought, you. so your feeling is they played well enough Special teams win played, a game. Special teams played yeah. very well. They you, you okay. have to grade okay. them very well. Okay, okay. The other six units, in my opinion, Paul. Okay, didn't, they didn't. play well enough to win an NFL regular season. They game. didn't. When, sure. when you talk about the pass blocking, when you talk about the pass blocking guys, yeah, okay. You know, Thomas it, played. It a was fairly, functional. Thomas played a fairly good game, but the whole offensive line, the whole thing, Paul, the whole thing, including the run blocking. With the offensive line, uh, come on, it was awful. It was well, awful. that's why we brought let me go the back run to the other line. point. Let that's me go what we back. Talked to, about let that. me go back to the other point. Yeah. Let me go back to the other point. I was trying to make it had to do with basic rule in retailing: don't let your best customers leave your store unhappy too many times because they won't come back. They won't come back, and that's why we're seeing you guys advertising. You know, tickets available. Season tickets, single-game tickets on the site, you got to be careful about that. The good news yesterday for me, we got a game in five days. The end of yesterday for me was with this conversation, I want to move on. One key to the game, one key to the game on Thursday night, if you can get the nose tackle blocked against a 3-4 defense, your run game should improve. We couldn't do much of that yesterday. Too many double teams on the nose tackle. And the whole thing just fell apart. We're playing a team that we can beat on Thursday night. I mean, I mean, the kid's a nice kid. It's a great story. Taking math classes in December, and he gets somebody gives him a phone call, and he's playing in the NFL. He's not an NFL quarterback, guys. This kid is not a nice kid. Great story. We should not lose to this quarterback. And, well, Len, and by the way, Len, a lot of people said the same thing about Teddy Bridgewater too. 
Yeah, okay. yeah. Okay. So, okay. you know, I understand where yeah. you're going with this, but yeah. I feel like yeah. it's deja vu all over again. Oh, Teddy Bridgewater, he's an average quarterback. He's nothing to go crazy about. Okay. And then look at what happened. Okay. It's all about execution, Len, at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, uh, yeah. okay. This guy's not going to win the game for them. Hey, okay, thanks, but you still got to worry about the other facets, Okay, Thank do you, they Len. not have great targets in the receiving game? Do they not have mm. guys that can run the football? Do they not have a good defance? I mean, that's a lot of other things. Lance, uh, Lance just to uh, to make clear what some of the fans may not be aware of what Len was talking about, uh, Heineke is going to be starting against the Giants at quarterback on Thursday because uh, about a half hour or so ago, maybe it was an hour ago, uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick, the Washington starter, was put on injured reserve. So Heineke is, yeah. yeah, he is going to be, Heineke will be the starting quarterback against the Giants on Thursday. He was the one who played in the playoff game last year and gave Tampa Bay fits. Sure. Yeah. Well, and also Heineke, I mean, I understand Len is saying it's a nice story. Heineke, okay, just to give you a track record, he was in Carolina with Ron Rivera and Scott Turner. So he knows this offense. You mentioned he performed well in the playoff game against Tampa Bay, and now he's even more comfortable with what they're doing in Washington. I'm not saying Taylor Heineke's a pro bowler, and I understand the point on paper. There's a lot more established and better quarterbacks in the NFL. But the point is the Giants need to execute better before we start talking about that there's layup lines against Washington. So it's all about if you could fluster him, you could force him into looking like an average quarterback in comparison to the rest of the NFL. It's not just on the surface, well, he doesn't have a glowing resume. Well, then make him look like a quarterback that doesn't have a great mm-hmm. deal of experience. Mm-hmm. The onus is on the Giants. It's not on Taylor Heineke showing up and making mistakes so that the Giants can capitalize. It's Lance, on the Giants to do that. I could not agree with you more. And since it's Monday, let me bust this one out now. Can the Giants dump Taylor on his Heineke? <laughs> oh, boy, the puns are just flowing out of you. Yes, I'm sure you're dying to lo- throw that one out after the game on Thursday. Can only uh, hey, I needed Save that a reason. For a later date. I needed a reason to smile today after this hour of uh, of uh, well depression, I suppose, of of dealing with what we had to deal with. So, anyway. well, let's put you out of your misery. Then, That's and it. Wrap up End the it. Show. Wrap about it. That? Okay, there we go. That's going to do it for us on Monday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live. Appreciate everybody for tuning in. We'll be back up and running again on Tuesday at 12.30 p.m. Eastern. Remember, it's a quick turnaround. There is a game again on Thursday night, so we'll turn our attention to Washington beginning tomorrow. For Paul Dottino, I'm Lance Meadow. Enjoy the rest of your Monday. A reminder, today's episode of Big Blue Kickoff Live, part of the Giants platforms everywhere and at Giants.com slash podcast. We will speak to you on Tuesday. Have a good one.